Welcome to another episode of Scouting for Growth, the podcast where we bring you insight from those navigating the turbulencies of the startup world. I'm your host, Sabine van der Linden, and today we are thrilled to have a special guest who has truly been in the trenches of the startup world. With the sobering statistic that over 90% of all startups fail, it is clear that finding market fit is only the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey. Our guest today, Benjamin Friedman, is no stranger to this harsh reality. Over his career spanning more than two decades, he has navigated the perilous waters of startup finance and operation, riding the bumpy waves of startup growth and guiding his companies through successful M&A transactions, equity raises, and debt financing. In 2018, Benjamin channeled his wealth of knowledge into founding his own company, Build, Scale, Grow, Incorporated, where he has been helping founders not only survive, but thrive. Through Build, Scale, Grow, Benjamin and his team offer invaluable support to founders, helping them address the fears and uncertainties of entrepreneurship, fill capacity gaps, and install robust, scalable, long-term solutions. It is not all about survival, though. Benjamin is a firm believer in the importance of growth, and his comprehensive handbook, Scale, Rich Your Peak, is a testament to this belief. Packed with over 130 quick-read articles, it provides invaluable insights into a broad range of fundamentals, offering practical options and realistic exercises based on his two decades of experience and extensive research. To capital, Benjamin is a firm advocate for values such as collaboration, optimism, and open communication, and has consistently strived to connect company goals, team initiatives, and individual performance in his roles. His motto is simple. Everyone should know how they contribute to growth. So whether you are a founder on the brink of success, an entrepreneur at the start of your journey, or an innovator looking for that spark of inspiration, this episode is not one to be missed. Please join me in welcoming the extraordinary Benjamin Friedman to Scouting for Growth. And don't forget to like, rate, and download the episode and let me know what else you want to listen to. Hi, Benjamin. Thank you for joining me on Scouting for Growth. Of course. It's great to be here, Sabine. So I read that you have been working with startups for at least, I think, and small business for, I think, something like five years. But you have uh, many years of expertise now, I think around 20 years, working in industry and various industries. Can you give us a little bit more insight on your background as a COO and a CFO, and what got you to start working with smaller businesses? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. 
Uh, so a little over 20 years ago, I, I came out of graduate school. I had studied nonprofit management, worked at a nonprofit for a few years, and found it was very process-driven, where we kept talking about what to do, but we were never actually trying things. So I said, this is not for me. I'm much more results-oriented. I moved into an e-commerce company, aptly named e-commerce group. Everybody thought they had heard of us because it was such a generic name. And at that company, we doubled every year, both in revenues and in team. And it was an amazing ride. I was shifting roles, uh, very distinct roles year after year. I was super impressed by the speed and thoughtfulness. Uh, we would run experiments all the time and see what worked. And then we would adapt as needed. And I became addicted to the startup journey. Uh, that company ended up getting acquired by First Data Corporation. So it was successful for the founders as well. So tell us, what was um, what were the most critical lessons you have learned through, I guess, those great journeys, but maybe also some of the bumpy rides you may have had with startups and small businesses, Benjamin? Sure, great question. Uh, so I found that a lot of startups have a unique journey. Every founder is an individual, but there are some common themes. Uh, so when I've seen startups be successful, the founders are very clear on who they are and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, and that might seem easy, but in fact, it's a lot of hard work to regularly check in with yourself. Uh, and then the other application is around vision and values. Those will remain constant even as the business pivots, evolves, lots of changes, both good and bad uh, challenges occur. The vision and values are important to keep on target to know really where you want to be headed. So to take uh, an ounce of planning and really think about where it is you're going and why you're on this journey. And then with that, the final piece that I've seen is successful is feedback loops. Uh, successful founders are constantly seeking advice from advisors, investors, other founders, and their team. And they're very open to feedback. They might not be applying that feedback all the time because it's not consistent with their vision and values, but they're hearing what other people are saying. They're looking for new ideas, new ways to get things done, and they're very open to other people's opinions because that's going to make them stronger in their journey. So vision values being at the core of any business, one needs to stay laser focused on ensuring this is always monitored and measured. But you also have shared with me or read through um, your bio and information I find on you, Benjamin, that many small businesses fail because passion alone cannot cut it. For passion to survive, it needs structure. So this great quote from Simon Sinek is part of your day-to-day, -day, I understand, Benjamin. How have you used those thoughts to build your company, build, scale, and grow. Yeah, so it's very important, Sabine, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this in your work as well, to balance strategy and implementation. Uh, so the strategy side, you want to be at the cutting edge. You want to be ahead of your customers or right there with them, providing a high-quality product or service. But then tactically, you want to think about how am I going to implement that 
on a regular basis? Uh, what are the people, the software, the systems that I need in order to be successful? Uh, when you're first starting out, that might be one product or one service, and you want to perfect it before you bring that further to market, before you try new things. Uh, the other piece I talk a lot to founders about is aligning outcomes, results, and activities. A lot of times we see people get all worked up and they're like, oh, I'm working very hard and I'm, I'm spending all this time and effort, but activity alone is not going to generate the outcomes that you're looking for. You have to see what results are coming from that activity. And then you have to see if those results are affecting the outcomes that you desire. Uh, you're looking at it through industry metrics, some internal metrics, but you're constantly running experiments. If you were to try X, does it improve your quality? Does it improve your efficiency? Does it make things run better for you or your customers? And so it's constantly evaluating the progress, but aligning your activity results and outcomes is really critical. So tell us a little bit more about your company, right? Beats Build, Scale, Grow. Tell us, you know, what got you to shape the business, how it came about, who you're working with, which industry are you supporting? Tell us more. Sure. So my personal journey as an employee in the past often involved working with small businesses and startups, helping them to scale and we would get uh, very involved in the first 12 to 18 months. There might be an event such as a fundraise, for example, that would generate more activity around infrastructure and financial uh, strategy. Then there would be a, a pause. And then hopefully the uh, company had a strong exit event or a transitional event as far as what they're looking for. And generally around three years, the founders would come to me and say, hey, really appreciate what you've done. We're now on a different trajectory. We're now owned by a different company, perhaps. And good luck in your next job. And so I would take a period of time to find my next job. And that was part of my journey. And it was fine because I expected it from working with startups. Um, but I finally had the epiphany a few years ago that if I were to work with multiple startups at the same time, if I were to add value when they need it, not necessarily when I'm available, but when they're looking to reach the next level and to organize themselves and for the founders to make an impact, that's when I could provide the most value. That would be exciting for me. And then it's a uh, mutual benefit with my clients. And so now I'm working with uh, five different clients, sometimes up to seven, uh, figuring out the best way I can help. So you're already working with a number of uh, companies and number of clients. So you have this portfolio approach, but I would tend also to dive into one point you just made around exits and M&A transactions, right? You have had quite a few successful ones. So could you share with us what were the key strategies and maybe tactics uh, which led to those companies' success working with you, actually, Benjamin? Yeah, sure. So I think in those scenarios, there were some common threads. I think the founders were very clear on the direction they wanted to be headed. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, we often think about productivity as running fast, but if you're not sure what direction you want to be running, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, you're going to be headed in the wrong direction. Uh, so I think those founders were very focused. I think those founders were very open to ways to operate 
on a fractional basis. Uh, of course, I'm biased, uh, but they would bring in different experts and firms to help out with accounting, legal, uh, fractional CTOs, CMOs, uh, people like myself. And they would leverage those to scale as quickly as possible. Uh, you could bring in the expertise at a fraction of the cost. You could evaluate if that's going to help your business in the short term and in the long term. And then you can keep implementing different uh, specialties and experts as needed in order to grow. And then I think finally, uh, those founders were, again, you know, very open to getting feedback from their investors, looking to their customers to say what they need. I've seen unsuccessful founders, by contrast, really say, this is what the customer needs. We're going to keep doing the same thing. Whereas successful ones ask all the time, what is it you need now? Your industry is changing. The market's changing. What is it you need? And then those founders will think, okay, can we provide that to the founder in order to help them be successful? So you have dive into the title of this podcast, which is a fractional CXO. So I'd love for you to define why fractionality is becoming so important today, Benjamin. You know, I would love for our listeners to learn from your expertise, but also what are the trends we just need to pay attention to, which is driving that demand for, for, for fractional CXOs? Sure. Uh, so, Sabine, we know that things are moving very quickly in the marketplace. And some of the challenges for startups are uh, understanding the big picture that is looking holistically across the business and saying, OK, now I've got product market fit or now I have surface market fit. I'm really looking to move forward as fast as possible. Or now that I've gotten a fundraise, I'm really looking forward to reach the next level as quickly as I can. And so bringing in fractional experts uh, can do a number of things. They can help you look holistically across the business and make connections between different functions. Uh, how do sales, marketing, finance, and product all connect, for example? And what are the ways to optimize them uh, collaboratively to grow your business? Uh, you bring in experts to think about how have things been done in the past and how can they be applied to your business in order to grow as fast as possible? And then finally, you know, cost and risk are, are considerations as well. Uh, by looking at fractional resources, you're mitigating both. Uh, you'll bring someone in, they'll cost something, of course, but much less than you pay somebody full time. And the risk of bringing somebody in full time is you're not quite sure how they're going to have an impact, how they're going to work with the rest of your leadership team. You might not even really be sure what their role and responsibilities are going to be right away. So bringing somebody in on a fractional basis, uh, whether it's an accounting firm or a fractional COO like myself or looking for a fractional uh, general counsel, bringing those people in can solve immediate problems, help you to better visualize the future and really think holistically about your company, how everyone's going to work well together. So. I would love to dive into the value created by CXO and your expertise in Chief Operating Officer, CEO, and Chief Finance Officer, CFO. I would love to go into what a day in the life of Benjamin looks like, right? Because you said you have five to seven clients you're actually working at the same time with. And what? how do you make sure you can maintain consistency in the quality of the work you are delivering for your clients all the time? 
Now, that is a, a great question. Uh, two parts. Uh, so first, how am I running my day? Uh, there is a lot of toggling between uh, clients and between strategy and implementation. So I might have a discussion uh, with a founder uh, around, for example, customer success and, and how do we do that the best way possible. And then uh, the next day, I might be on a phone call with a customer who's really not uh, happy with how things are going. Uh, maybe expectations need to be reset. Maybe communication needs to be improved. And then maybe the next day I'm taking that conversation and I'm talking with the whole team about how we can prevent uh, miscommunication and misaligned expectations in the first place. And we'll have an open discussion about some of the uh, customers they're working with. Uh, so that type of toggling is very useful for me uh, because I'm able to uh, take best practices uh slightly turn them and apply them in different situations and bring suggestions from one industry, which might be uh, revolutionary to another industry or at least to that founder and say, hey, this is how they're doing things over here. Would this be a possibility with you? And if not, why? And if so, how could we make that happen? And then to your second question, how do I make sure things are going well? Uh, that's always the challenge, right, Sabine? How do we know we're doing uh, quality, impactful work? Uh, I think that starts by asking uh, founders, hey, what is it you're looking for from this relationship? How would you describe the deliverables? Tell me if in three months I'm doing a very uh, successful job, what does that look like for you? What are you saying to other people at the company or investors? How would you describe that? So I get somebody to articulate, you know, we all have this feeling of what quality looks like, but how do we make that objective and actually put that down in writing so that in three months we have a discussion? And then the final point is getting feedback from the founder, from the team, looking objectively at metrics we've been measuring and say, hey, are we doing uh, as well as we hoped? And if not, what can we learn from that and how do we adjust? And if so, great, how do we go to the next level? How do we keep pushing? Uh, because we're not gonna sit still. So I'm curious to know whether you end up managing people as well, actually, Benjamin, because you know the world we are living in, I think is suffering from a talent gap. Often when I talk to companies, is they find it very, very difficult to find the talent or the talent with the right expertise. And so therefore tapping into fractional CXOs enable many of those companies, founders and those corporations as well to tap into gaps they have into their organizations. How do you deal with the people within those teams? Sure. So in some cases, I'm working with them and meeting with them on a regular basis. In other cases, it's a one-off uh, situation where I might talk with them once or twice in order to complete a project. If I know I'm going to be working with somebody on a regular basis, I really do my best to set up an introductory meeting, try to find out more about them than their role at the company. And then we dig into what is their current responsibilities? What is it they would like to be doing? And sometimes people are hesitant to talk about that. So I say, hey, say this job doesn't exist at all. What would you be doing with your life? How would you spend your time? For me, that's really insightful around what motivates people, what gets them excited. And that's going to play into how we work well together. Uh, my job is 
uh, successful outcomes, but that's often reliant on motivated individuals. And when somebody is motivated, whether they're highly skilled and acknowledged, maybe whether they're a public celebrity or somebody we've never heard of, when somebody is really motivated, they're going to do an amazing job and that's going to benefit the company as well as them. So I really try to understand their position and responsibilities and how things can get better. And then the final piece is I try to set expectations. You know, what is my role? What am I doing there? How long am I going to be working with them? I try to be as candid as possible. Uh, sometimes founders have motivations around changing teams or uh, shifting responsibilities there. I have to be a little careful. But I will say, hey, we're we're trying to grow here. We're trying to look at new ways of getting work done. Give me some ideas and suggestions you have. And a lot of times that discussion will uncover ways that that individual can pivot as the company pivots itself. So it's useful that way is awesome. So whilst you you were talking, Benjamin, a question came to mind because I, I think that question would be probably in the mind of a lot of fractional CXOs, but also from founders and companies trying to see how they tap into that news resource pool, which is about incentivization. So how do we incentivize fractional CXOs? That's a great question. Uh, I think, Sabine, it comes down to aligning your goals and your incentives. And I think of it in terms of the sales process where you have salespeople involved. Uh, you might say, okay, we're just going to give you commission based on results. But I've seen more sophisticated and interesting models where you look at the desired behaviors of the sales team and you really uh, motivate and incentivize those. Uh, and I promise I'll get back to your original question in a moment. Uh, but just to play this analogy out. So you say to them, okay, we know that every time we get to have a demo in front of a customer, that's about a 60% chance that they're going to sign up with us. So that's great to get demos. So instead of solely rewarding the results, which is somewhat in their control and somewhat not, I might pull that back and reward them getting a demo and them having the behaviors that lead up to a demo and say, here's a small reward for that and then a larger reward for the deal closing and recognizing the different behaviors involved. Now, coming back to fractional resources, it's the same thing. If a founder is bringing me in to help a company to scale and to grow, they're pretty clear on what's not working. Uh, they may be less clear on the solution, but they know where they're frustrated. We'll work to talk through what are their you know, fears and concerns. I'll do my best to stare that fear right in the face and say, hey, what is going on? What is holding us back right now? And then we'll work through, okay, what could success look like? And then I'll say, finally, okay, why don't we set up a compensation around that success? So maybe it's behavioral. Maybe the founder themselves needs to change uh, their habits. Uh, maybe they need to lean more on delegating, lean on others to do management. Maybe they should be more product focused and leadership focused. And we can talk about that transition. And then we'll figure out how to recognize my efforts towards their desired goals. That's interesting. So how do you decide? I mean, I understand how you decide when to start. How do you decide when it's time to move on? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. It's funny because it's human nature to keep going. Uh, we abhor change uh, as people. And even if we desire that change, uh, say, you know, oh, I want to stop smoking. It's still really, really difficult. Otherwise, everybody would have stopped smoking right away. Uh, so the ability to change is incredibly tough. And when you're working with the founder who you presumably you enjoy working with them, you like working with the company, it's hard to imagine the change where you're putting yourself out of a role. Um, I do my best to set that expectation up front. Are we talking about a specific project? Are we talking about a form of coaching with founders? And those are going to look very different. Um, but when it's coming near the end, we'll say, okay, this is what the end looks like. Do we have a transition in place? Are we very clear on the process, the people involved, the responsibilities, uh, the expected results, the desired outcomes, the way we're measuring those? We might not be all the way where we want to be, um, but my goal is to set up a system that's going to be autonomous and move myself out as quickly as possible. And that can be anywhere from three to six months. Uh, but if we are on course, if we have all those uh parts that I described earlier, then it makes sense to talk about a transition. And I just lean into that. If I feel myself being a little uncomfortable because I know I don't want to leave, I call that out uh, to myself and sometimes to the founder. I'm like, hey, it's going to be tough leaving. I've really enjoyed working with you, but this is the right thing to do for you and your business. And you know, hopefully it results in a good recommendation for me too. So, hey, let's do this the right way and let's you know get through this. So let's inspire other fractional CXOs, Benjamin, and tell us how do you ensure commitment and effectiveness in everything you do? And if you can also share with us, you know, some challenges people may actually experience in these type of roles as well. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, so I think the uh, ways to commit check uh, commitment, uh, we start by clearly defining the deliverables. I want to send an SOW that says, this is what we're going to do. This is the time frame. Uh, these are the deadlines. These are the expected results. Uh, these are the desired outcomes. We might not see those outcomes right away, but it's all listed out what work is going to be done. We can come back to that document as needed, um, but definitely on a regular basis, every couple of weeks to start, every month, you know, moving forward. And then finally, we'll measure those results and see if we're tracking appropriately. Uh, on the flip side, uh, every fractional role is not perfect in every situation. Uh, in some cases, a company needs to bring on a full-time team uh, immediately. So I might work with the founder to uh, determine the job description to assess and then to evaluate candidates coming in. Uh, in particular, talking with other leaders in the company. And by leaders, I don't necessarily mean executives. I mean the people who have the uh, most impact in the company's functioning. And you and I know uh, that could be somebody who started a few weeks ago who's figured out something brilliant, or it could be somebody who's been in the industry for 30 years and they're uh, tremendous. So I'll get all that feedback and I'll, I'll figure out uh, their capacity. Uh, but sometimes it's not a good fit. You know, it can look good on paper, but two people just don't work well together. Um, often that's more around similarities and differences. So if you and I have the exact work, same working style and uh, we're sort of uh, butting heads over something, uh, I sometimes I like to pause and say, is it because 
you and I are very similar and we're trying to sort of fight each other for, you know, who is, is better at something. And then I can step back and say, hey, you know, that's fine. You run this part. I'll run that part. We'll figure it out. And then finally, uh, fractional doesn't uh, always work uh, because, you know, founders are looking to solve a specific problem. And maybe the person coming in is not fantastic at that uh, specific issue. So, for example, a founder might be looking for a fractional CRO. And I see CROs as three different types. One is great at closing deals and is able to really coach the rest of the team around that. The second is great at finding new opportunities, new partnerships, uh, developed new business, really cutting edge, uh, new lines of revenue. And the third is very good at RevOps. Uh, so they're thinking statistically, what are we doing that's working? What is it that's not working we should change? And let's try some new things around those operations and we will grow as an organization. Now, hey, some CROs have all three of those and they are Renaissance people in what they're doing, but most effective CROs fall in one of those three categories. You could bring in one really looking for one category and find a person in another. It's not that they're a bad person. It's not that they're not fantastic. They're just not the right solution for your immediate needs. Yeah. You know, we love uh, encountering those Renaissance people. I think they are some of the most interesting characters who are out there, uh, which takes me to your book, actually, because, you know, to be able to get the job done, I guess you have had to learn uh, from your experiences, but also evaluate questions which might not have been answered in the past. Benjamin. So tell us about the book or the playbook that you published to help people to understand what fractionality might be. Sure. And thank you for the opportunity, Sabine. Uh, the book is called Scale, Reach Your Peak. Uh, it's 500 pages. But before you get turned off, uh, I'm very mindful that founders don't have time to read five pages in many instances, let alone 500. So this book really looks at a number of problems that I encountered, uh, whether I was in a full-time role, whether I was consulting, or whether uh, founders came to me with a burning question, and I really wanted to solve it. So I dug into the research. I would read multiple articles about how experts would solve this problem, and then I would integrate that uh, book knowledge with my practical knowledge. And I'd say, okay, hey, that's great in theory. It's very easy to write that if you're you know, a 1,000 person consulting company. But what does this mean to the founder who has maybe 10 or 50 or 100 people surrounding them? How are they going to apply this information? So I would boil it down into startup and small business terms. And so it was very exciting. I did that for a year and a half, not thinking I would do a book. Then I kept going thinking, oh, actually, I bet I could organize this information in a way. And I ended up with what I hope is a handbook for startup founders to really uh, survive and thrive and think about their business holistically. So maybe they've been very attuned to sales and marketing, but they haven't thought very much about finance, business operations, human resources. The book touches on all those as well as leadership, as well as growth. Uh, it has a very long table of contents, but you can look at any article in there and say, okay, let me read into this. And for the next five minutes, you can get best practices, how they apply to your business, and even some exercises that you can apply to think about this topic more practically and how it's going to help you. So that talks me 
Benjamin, to what, you know, looking at the book and all the work you've done, what should be the top five recommendations and takeaways that you want to leave founders looking to grow and scale their businesses? Sure. That, no, this is great. And it's funny, I'm laughing because uh, one of the five is being able to prioritize. Uh, as we know, there are hundreds of different opportunities, challenges, and we want to face those. Um, but the only way to be really effective in what you're doing is to narrow that list. And, and five is a perfect number. <laughs> so I'll sort of uh, uh, cheat and say that's my first one. <laughs> I think the second is I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast around planning. Uh, really think about your vision and values. Those are going to be constant throughout your journey. If things are going really well and you're nervous or things are going not so well and you're nervous, always come back to your vision and values to keep you grounded. Uh, the third is around seeking advice. Find people who are doing what you are now and get their opinions as far as optimizing. Find people who are three to five years ahead of you and ask what challenges they've run into and what they would have done differently five years ago. Talk to investors and, and ask them either directly or for resources around how to practically implement your strategy. Uh, the fourth is self-awareness. Really understand who you are. Make sure uh, you're taking care of yourself, uh, both mentally and physically. You know, uh, make sure you're you're sleeping enough, you're exercising, your diet's good. Uh, it sounds almost like the basics, and it is. But as a founder, we get so caught up in solving this problem and and moving forward and finding the next opportunity that we forget sometimes to take care of the basics. And after months and after years, we're going to be less efficient. And that gets into number five, uh, productivity. Find a way to optimize yourself. Be the best you possible. You know, make sure you schedule your calendar based on your priorities. Make sure your calendar is not based on others' meetings and needs, but based on what you want to get done. And that means blocking out some time for big projects, for deep work, uh, for spending maybe once a week thinking about your own accomplishments and challenges and how you're going to help yourself in order to help the team. But really think you know, productively, know the direction you're running and then how fast you can get there is really important. Those are very wise um, recommendations. And, you know, I, I do follow all of them, particularly protecting my time. I do, you know, block time every week. There are periods where my team cannot take the time. And I have days where I can take meetings. Um, and so partly Friday is often Friday afternoon is about reflecting about the following week, but also thinking about things which could be done better. So Benjamin, where can people find you? Where can they find the book? Where they can find you? When they can find your company? Sure, sure. Uh, so the company is at the website, uh, www.webuildscalegrow.com. Uh, on the site, I talk more about the work we're doing, as well as a blog that's updated weekly with some new ideas. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and I post there as well. And then the book is on Amazon. Uh, it's, again, it's called Scale, Reach Your Peak, and you can find it there. Perfect. And I will provide all this information uh, when people look for about Benjamin. So what would be your last words of wisdom, Benjamin? 
<laughs> uh, so this is uh, this is great. Uh, so I would say in order to bring everything together and what I said, really be honest with yourself. Uh, back in the 1600s, uh, Blaise Pascal, who was a scientist and philosopher, he said that all of uh, humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And I know as founders, you and I and a lot of others out there, we're dying to get a lot of things done, make an impact in our community, help others, you know, see what we can accomplish. But by all means, take, you know, five minutes a day, you know, half an hour, an hour a week, sit in a room alone, you know, disengage from your phone, from others, and really think about what's important to you. That's going to be a huge investment. You're going to experience this roller coaster of ups and downs and think this is impossible. Even at your best, even at your worst, you're going to have moments of self-doubt, and confusion, concern. Take that time to step back and say, hey, what's really important right now? Where do I need to be focused? How do I take care of myself? How do I grow my business? Be honest with yourself and take the time needed. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Very grateful for your word of wisdom. Benjamin Friedman, thank you for your time today. Same here, Sabine. This has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.